This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday time for our Zoomer Squad. And CARP had a huge week last week in the midst of everything else that's happening, I might add. The annual general meeting was held on Thursday with Ontario Premier Doug Ford giving the keynote. And there was some very interesting fallout from that, which we will also get to. But first, the theme of this year's advocacy. It's less promises, more action now. And uh, I think that's quite the ask in an election year. And I'm sure the squad also has a reaction to the coming end to vaccine passports and the emergency measures coming in Ottawa. And what do you think? The numbers 416 Three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Now I'm joined by David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Media and Chief Membership Officer at CARP, Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine, and Bill Van Gorder, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Policy Officer at CARP. Hi guys. Hey, Libby. Hi, Libby. Hi, Libby. Let's uh, let's begin with the breaking news. We may as well off the top, David. I mean, emergency measures. That act is like Son of the War Measures Act, which Zoomers will remember from the October crisis in 1970. Um, uh, I. I have to say that watching what's going on in Ottawa, it looks like the, the gong show or the Keystone Cops, though things seem to be getting better elsewhere. What, what's your reaction to that? I'm scratching my head because it seems to be uh, too late. It's uh, The act itself is, is understandably vague. It's meant to apply to a number of different situations. You'd usually think that there would be some specific measure they were thinking of bringing in that that they need to be empowered by this act. Uh, and already um, uh, we see the uh, Ambassador Bridge situation defusing. So, like, what does he want to do that he can't do? And where was he all along? And uh, just to throw this into the mix, too, a poll uh, <clears throat> released today, two-thirds of Canadians are, are in favor of dropping most of the uh, COVID-19 restrictions. So everybody's sort of fed up, and I think that uh, Trudeau's been uh, sort of MIA on this, and now to suddenly sail in at the last minute here with this Emergencies Act seems like a puzzling move to me. Bill, uh, here in Ontario, a lot of the restrictions are coming off earlier than we thought. Um, We're going to see capacity limits limits lifted on places like restaurants and gyms. And I have a question. Vaccine passports are are, uh, going to be out as of March the 1st. I don't know if Zoomers are going to be comfortable with that. I'm happy, personally, I'm happy to go out, but I'd like to know that everybody around me is vaccinated. And I think uh, most uh, older Ontarians would agree with you, uh, Libby, that uh, that would seem to be one uh, easy thing to leave in place since everybody probably who's going to uh, uh, to have one is going to have it done. They carry the information anyway. Why couldn't that, uh, why couldn't that uh, continue? I think it's going to make many of us older Ontarians very uneasy about going out into these more open uh, uh, venues now and uh, won't do what the government wants to do in terms of increasing attendance attendance and bringing the economy back. Yeah. You know, uh, Peter, I'm thinking to my neighbourhood and the restaurants in my neighbourhood that have uh, weathered this reasonably well because people are intent on supporting them. And when I remember going there when things were open and full, uh, you know, the the people were all older. So on the one hand, I think they might be uncomfortable with this. On the other hand, I'm thinking, 
they're probably vaccinated. I don't know, Peter. What do you think? I, I would say they're vaccinated three, maybe four times. <laughs> um, the yeah. So so I, I I think what we're moving into, uh, you know, and, and you can see a slight change in the um, you know a big change actually in, in the public health messaging is that uh, you know um, we're moving from absolute. Um, you know, um, no, no one can go anywhere without a vaccine. You can't go within. We're, we're going to see relaxing, and we're going to see uh, the messaging change too. We have to learn to live with it. So um, that puts the onus on people to um, protect their own health rather than having to protect others, as it has been. And and that's a big change, and um, it may take some people a while to get used to it, but. Uh, you know, as you say, like our, our demographic, really, they, they seem to be quite uh, bold about these things. And uh, I, I can I, I think they'll, they'll start going back to the theaters and the restaurants and everything as, as the restrictions come down. And, and they'll do it quite, um, you know, knowing they've got the, the vaccines and knowing that the situation has eased somewhat. Hmm. OK. What about you, David? Do you think uh, that that uh, people are going to be comfortable with this right off the bat? I, I don't think there's going to be as much um, discomfort uh, enough to overwhelm the people who are going to be more comfortable. And let's remember one thing that Omicron changed things in one important way in that it demonstrated that that people with a vaccine uh, could uh, you know, they could still pass along, they, they could still get the thing and they could still pass it along. And the public health people have never been able to firmly establish, I'm not saying that it's not there, uh, the difference between protecting yourself, get all the shots, protect yourself, but having gotten all the shots, you then cannot infect anybody else. Well, maybe with a super spreader kind of thing like Omicron, you can and I think that has materially changed these perceptions from the earlier variations of uh, COVID. Also, we have much more news about many more jurisdictions, you know, Denmark lifting all restrictions, Johns Hopkins University coming out with a study saying the whole lockdown idea didn't really work. There's so much contradictory evidence out there now that I think people are saying I might just as well take care of myself and try to get back to normal because nobody can prove to me that there's a direct link between some of these measures uh, and, um, you know, beating the, the defeating COVID. Hmm. Uh, Bill, let, let's get to the CARP platform for advocacy. Uh, let's put some meat on the bones. So uh, the idea is uh, more action, less promises, but we're in election year. So I think uh, we, hopefully we get more action along with all the promises. Well, that's certainly what, what we hope is going to happen and what we're a- asking for. Uh, older Ontarians are tired of promises that are going to take five or Six or more years to uh, uh, to be be accomplished. If you're you know if you're 80 years old, somebody tells you that things are going to improve five years from now. That doesn't hold a lot of a lot of water. And and although uh, uh, planning for the the future may be necessary, there are things that can be done right now, and that's what we want the government to commit to. And they have time between now and in the election where they don't have to promise things after the election, if they're reelected, they can make some of these moves uh, right now. We're, you know, we're, we're talking specifically in areas like home and community care, long-term care. They've made some, you know, there have been some good announcements, as we talked about uh, last uh, week, about immediately uh, 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 changing or building uh, new uh, new facilities. And we have to make sure that we've, our health system is... Uh, uh, getting back in shape again to look after all the people whose whose uh, diagnosis have meant that they are now delayed in the services they want, and they can't wait more than six or ten months to have this uh, have this happen. So uh, we think it's reasonable, and uh, we think that uh, the government should be should be able to do that, and we want to make sure they do. Okay, I'm I'm going to take a call from Ian in London. Hello, Ian. Hi, Libby. Um, just uh, an interesting point. I recently uh, 
canceled my theater subscription with a large theater subscription company in Toronto, and they said it would take uh, a few days for the refund to appear because of the huge volume of refund. And this was, I expect, a reflection of what the protesters were demanding. And um, I don't think Zoomers will be hurrying back to theater when they know that Nobody around them necessarily is vaccinated or has to have a vaccine passport. That's all I wanted to say. Thank oh, you. Okay, so uh, there's Ian not comfortable with that particular requirement being lifted. And again, you know, when I go to the theater, uh, and I think we were at the theater once, there was a, a special thing. Um, it was in September, I think. But generally, again, the audience... Is Zoomers. So on the one hand, uh, I'm a little uncomfortable with vaccine passports coming off, but I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody next to me is vaccinated like I am. I don't know. But, um, you know, I think well, we are we're certainly seeing as, as you know, uh, maybe I'm very involved in, in theater in my in my other life. And uh, we're seeing exactly what Murray is uh, talking about in terms of of uh, older uh, theater goers, and that is the the majority of the theater goers that m- most of the larger theaters deal with are hesitant about going back, uh, uh, regardless. So uh, you know we're really at, at a point now where, uh, as Peter said, we have to start managing again our own health, our own. Uh, Comfort the, our own direction from our uh, from our medical uh, advisors, but it's going to take time. Older no, uh, Canadians are not going to rush back uh, to theater. Uh, well, and then the other question is, you know, are are there venues that will say, hey, despite what the government says, uh, we we want to see a vaccine passport? I don't know if that's feasible, Peter. What what they are doing, uh, talking about doing, is continuing to have distancing. They haven't talked about. I haven't heard them talking about the the uh, vaccine passport. I have heard them talk about continuing to limit uh, attendance, putting on more performances for less people, because the feedback they're getting from their surveys of patrons is that's what they're really concerned about, is sitting, uh, you know, side by side, everybody in a, in a full house again. Yeah, but that, but that's the whole point. There's, there's a difference in format. I mean, it's one thing to go to a ride. Your chances of being uh, far away from people, relatively far away from people in a restaurant where people are also coming and going, you don't have an entire mob arriving all at once for 8 o'clock and leaving all at once, uh, is very different than sitting in a theater where there are people behind you, in front of you, beside you, and you're sort of fixed in position. Uh, so I, I'm not surprised that some types of venues are going to do uh, better than others, and people are going to be more comfortable coming back to you know format A and not as comfortable in format B. I, I think that's not surprising at all. Peter? Yeah, and 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 that's fine, but. Uh... You know, I I think it's it's going to be that it's 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 up to the individual to choose whether, you know, they they can no longer demand that there be a mask mandate or a, a vax passport mandate at any given venue. They're going to have to make their own decision. Do I risk it? Do I feel it's too much of a risk to go? Or um, I'm pretty good on going. I'm I'm a pretty healthy person, and I can I can risk getting uh, you know sitting with a bunch of people who may or may not be vax. But but that that um, that decision is now being um, made by the individual, not the state, and and that's the big change, and yeah. or or yeah. not business at large. So that's the big change, and and it, and it's going to take people a while to get used to it, and it's going to be the people, you know, the the people with whose health is compromised who will unfortunately have to, you know, um, you know, uh, sit out some of these events because they just don't want to be near um, other people who aren't. Who may or may not be vaxxed. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it uh, it it's all uh, complicated. I mean, uh, I've heard sort of predictions that you know there'll be uh, sputtering and and hesitation, and then it'll all come back sort of faster than we think and and more furious than we think. But I guess all of that remains to be seen, David. 
Well, I think that's true. And I uh, just to repeat what I said, I think it'll vary by format and by type of venue. My, my suspicion is that it'll be rel- a little bit, maybe moderately quicker than we think. I don't think it's going to be as, uh, um, slow overall because there are so many different age groups but i do agree with bill that i think that older canadians older ontarians are going to be more hesitant particularly in closely packed you know venues and uh, you know a theater is different than let's say a gym or a, a restaurant dining room well and and again uh you know the truth is that in all those venues at least the ones that i get to the majority of people the majority of patrons are older they are, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, we are an important demo. Um, Elsie in Tottenham. Hi, Elsie. Hello. Now, I was talking to my son, and he, what he was saying, that I, myself, I am vaccinated, but I still can catch the virus, but it won't be as bad for me uh I can get better faster, right? Uh, yeah, you the the vaccine is very effective at avoiding severe disease, severe disease. But while I have the uh, I, I let's say I catch the the virus, can I pass it on to somebody else? Yep. So I could go into a restaurant, have the virus, be vaccinated, and it doesn't really matter, does it? What do you mean? Well. Um, a, a person who's not vaccinated cannot go in because they can spread the virus. Right. But, but I'm, I'm vaccinated. I have the virus. And I can still spread it to the people. That's true. That is true. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons for the change in the thing. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, and I think Peter uh, put it very well. You're going to have to make your own decision about whether you're going into that restaurant when you don't know the status of the person at the next table. And I uh, you know that for some restaurants, they are going to be putting those tables pretty close together, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make back some of what they have lost. Um let us move along because I wanted this really interesting thing happened uh, further to the AGM last week. And this is, um, this is, Moses brought this up. Moses, of course, um, the, he's the head of CARP, the founder of this station, my brother, but, um, and he brought this out into the open when he was introducing Doug Ford. And he said that there were a handful of members who wanted to cancel their membership because Doug Ford was going to speak. One guy said he'd rather cut off his arm rather than listen to the Premier of Ontario. So this is, uh, you know, council culture on, uh, on the part of a few people. And I, I'm going to read from Moses' statement. He says, it seems strange to justify why Canada's largest and most powerful advocacy for Canadians as we age... 65% of whose membership resides in Ontario seems strange to justify why, uh, why we have to justify why we'd be interested to hear from the leader of Canada's largest province. Uh, not to mention that healthcare, which is year in and year out, the number one preoccupation of seniors is under our constitution of provincial jurisdiction. Uh, and then he said his his first reaction when he heard from those people who threatened to uh, cancel their memberships was, off you go then, who wants a closed-minded member like that anyway? Uh, and um, then he said, you know, what is this that people uh, can't even stand to listen to people who have a slightly different Opinion, and it really sparked a lot of conversations. Uh, he, we had some of it on Blog To, which is now part of the Zoomer family, and and like it went viral, hundreds and hundreds of likes. David, uh, were you surprised to see this? Well, I, I wasn't surprised um, for two reasons. First of all, we had had a member um, focus group the week before. And um, we had over 200 people from across the country take part 
And they, one of the, just a general question, what are you looking forward to? What are you worrying about? What are your issues for 2022? And a lot of them commented on the lack of tolerance and the anger and the divisiveness. And it was a little bit of a, you know, motif uh, in that meeting. So I was, I was open-minded. I thought uh, Moses' position, I was hoping would be positively received. But also, as he was saying it, we had over, we had close to a thousand people attending the AGM over the internet. As he was speaking, these little pop-up comments were appearing all every second. Well said, Moses. Finally, someone said this. Well done. I agree completely. So I was already seeing in real time as he was talking a tremendous uh, groundswell of endorsement of, of, of the position he was taking. Hmm. Bill, what do you think? Well, for, first of all, put it in, in context, it was really just a, uh, a handful of responses. We, we got less than, less than you could uh, count on, uh, on your, uh, your fingers of your, your uh, two hands. So out of 330,000 uh, uh, members, it's a pretty small, pretty small group. But uh, it, was, it was surprising uh, to me that some people were so uh, vehement. Um, not a, you know, I think we've always understood that uh, you can strongly, as CARP does, oppose policies and demand changes in policies. But that doesn't mean uh, you don't uh, uh, like the uh, the individual or at least appreciate the fact that they're taking a leadership role. As Moses also said, who would want to be a politician these days? And, well, that's and, a problem. You know, not that many people. Well, it, it is, and I have a I have a good friend who uh, successfully ran uh, uh, two years ago uh, for a provincial office. And the first thing she said to me when I saw her after she'd uh, been elected for about a month was, "Bill, I had no idea how much people hate politicians." Uh, she she had gone through her life always being liked by everyone and couldn't believe that people could be uh, so. Uh, uh, so against what she stood for, just because she was now an elected official. And if we want to have good people representing us, if we want to have good decisions made at those high levels, we better start changing that attitude that encourages. Because now, as Moses said, who'd want the job? Well, exactly. So I'm wondering, you know, uh, the pandemic, to me, if I look around, seems to have hardened people's positions yeah. and lock them in further to uh, yeah. to to being in their own echo chamber. You know, I'm wondering if this is a, a glimmer of something to start where we reverse that. But it's just seems and and you know extending to the kind of uh wacko conspiracy theories we hear people, you know, repeating as though they're fact. I don't know. Is this the beginning of something good? <laughs> yeah, I, you know what, um, I, I heard from two uh, separate friends who don't usually, uh, you know, don't don't usually follow Zoomer media, and 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 they they were aware of of the Moses message, and they said, I can't believe someone finally said it. You know, like this this kind of. Um, you know, this resentment against a politician and uh, personal resentment, it become it, it's not so much the politics, it's, it's the person that that people focus the uh, venom towards, and, and they won't even listen to him because they hate him so much. So Moses' uh, message was very sort of, you know, let the politician speak. Uh, you know, he's a human being after all, let him speak. And, um, you know, Carp has had... Uh, Jugmeet Singh on last year, and it had Trudeau when, when he launched his election in 2015. It had Deb Schultz. It, it, you know, it, it's nonpartisan. It's had all these politicians. But why all of a sudden would someone cut off their arm if Doug Ford spoke? It, it just seems, you know, the, the message from Moses was very important, very timely, and, uh, and I'm not surprised it's gone viral. Yeah, and, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> People uh, do hate politicians, and I had uh, one caller who calls frequently, and, and I was saying that I thought most of them go in for the right reasons, or more or less the right reasons, and if it's the wrong reasons, it's not to line their pockets, it's maybe 
power, but but it's a thankless job. And and um, you know that person said, well, maybe I think that because because I'm doing well. And I thought, wow, <laughs> you know, uh, because it is kind of a, a thankless job. And particularly, Bill, you're saying your friend is a woman. I mean, yeah. women who go into politics suffer abuse, and some of it bordering on dangerous. So you got to wonder, well, if you don't like the caliber of politicians, it's, uh, you know, why would they want to do it in in this climate? And why are people so, I mean, you know, um, I don't like what a lot of them are doing. I don't agree with them, but, you know, uh, and I think some are, are entitled and they don't get, you know, like Trudeau and his conflicts of interest. I mean, clearly, he just doesn't get that part of it probably because he grew up with so much privilege but it is but the, but sorry. i don't think he's there for some no. nefarious reason but increasingly a lot of the uh, politicians are detaching themselves from the the, the vibe and it, 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 ford emphatically is not in that camp he he gave a very measured speech a very brief talk answered the question is very personal but there's a lot of resentment where politicians look like they're tone deaf. And COVID has brought a lot of this out. You need to wear a mask, but I don't need to. You need to stay at home, but I can take a vacation down south. You need to follow these rules, but they're not for me. If you protest, I don't need to talk to you or listen to you. Um, he, he, didn't, he, he could have got out and talked to the truckers in a dignified manner. Instead, he, he disappeared and called them all uh, misogynists and racists which, you know, obviously they are not all that. So there's this kind of, who do you think you are thing? I'm going to take you down a notch thing. And there's this resentment builds up as we get more powerless, particularly exacerbated by an emergency like this. And the politicians slash bureaucrats prove, A, that they don't really know what they purport to know, and B, that they're just not tuned in with uh, what our concerns are. And I think that's where a lot of the animosity uh, builds up. Well, uh, and I think that that is a justifiable complaint. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you just have to look at what's going on in Ottawa. And in Trudeau, he's got he's got at least two people who are breaking ranks with him. And who knows? How many are uh, considering doing the same or just yes. waiting to see how it breaks out? Yes. Uh, but, you know, it's, um, I'm looking at the time. We're basically out of time, but I think, I think this is a good conversation for us to continue with because, you know, this, the, uh, the cancel culture part of it is, it's, it's ridiculous. It is. Though yeah, I do I, have to say, uh, in terms of, you know, it's one thing to talk to people, but if they have a gun to your head, I mean, the, the, the protests, I mean, I think it's just sheer incompetence that they have encamped on Parliament Hill and they're disrupting so many people's lives. So I, I think there has to be, you know, maybe in, in that, at this point, talking to them while they're holding siege, I don't know about that. Let's finish with that. Uh, I'll go around the table. Uh, Peter, should should Trudeau talk to them under this circumstance? Well, he he misses opportunity, and it's too late now. And, and instead, he he wants to bring the army in. So, um, I I think he's really uh, done damage to his brand, and uh, and uh, you know, look out next election. We'll see who remembers what by then, Bill. That's true. <laughs> Peter took the words right out of my mouth. I absolutely agree with what he said. David? Same here. I think that he had a chance. He could have easily staged a meeting, photo op, meeting slash photo op in a dignified way with a handful of the representatives. And then he at least would have been seen to be listening, even if he, even if they didn't get what they wanted. And instead, he not only retreated, but he vilified them. And I think he's done very big harm uh, to his brand, and I think it will hurt him in the future. Okay. 
A very interesting point of view among our Zoomer squad. Thank you so much for that. And uh, we'll have more great conversations coming up. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Libby. Thanks, Libby. Bye-bye. Uh, We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about those restrictions that are being eased a little early. When we return, we'll be back with Dr. Alon Vaisman and Rocco Rossi from the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, as we have been discussing, the Premier just announced the easing of restrictions starting this week. No more capacity limits in restaurants, bars, cinemas, and gyms. And on March the 1st, we will no longer need a vaccine passport to get into these places. Businesses are cheering. And as I've said, I know lots of people who are a little hesitant, uncomfortable possibly myself included. What do you think? Numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now let's go to Dr. Alon Vaisman, infectious diseases and infection control physician at the University Health Network, and Rocco Rossi, President and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Me on, Libby. Thank you, uh, Doctor Vaisman. Uh, did this surprise you? And and uh, from a health point of view, from your point of view, do you think uh, this is all a good idea? I think uh, the timing was a little bit surprising that it came so quickly, but it is certainly consistent with many other um, jurisdictions around the world, including very uh, left-leaning kind of liberal places that have a similar kind of approach to the pandemic that we did. So the Nordic countries, the United States, the UK, Netherlands, very similar. I think uh, when it comes to the vaccine passport, there was two options. Either you increase it to three doses, which is the science is showing that it reduces transmission compared to two, or you scrap them all together. And I think the yield from trying to go to two to three would have been quite a challenge and probably not very successful when you look at how things have been done so far. So there wasn't really a lot of option with the vaccine passport. And I think just like many other jurisdictions, it did make sense for it to, to end at some point. The other indication for a vaccine passport initially was to try to increase numbers. And really, that, that's done its job already. We're not going to increase numbers based on the vaccine passport anymore. So when it comes to that, I, I think it's probably the right thing to do. It's just a question of when the right timing is. Rocco, uh, this must be a good day for you. Well, it, it's exciting. Um, but, um, you know, a little bit along the lines of what uh, the doctor was saying for us in the business community, um, it's not enough that we reopen. We want to reopen in such a way that we never close down again. We want to reopen in such a way that you rebuild confidence um, because the assumption that um, it's only the uh, those who weren't vaccinated and kept away from restaurants because of vaccine passports um, that that was the only difference in terms of economic activity. And in fact, as you pointed out in your opening remarks, Libby, you're, you're still feeling a little bit uncomfortable. And that's not unusual both for consumers and for employees um, because you can understand that after two years of being traumatized that there's something out there looking to kill you um, to to now say you're going to you're going to come back and wholeheartedly participate in the economy it's not an on off switch it's a dimmer switch and we need to be doing things that rebuild that confidence along with the reopening which which all of us uh very much want I'm going to take a couple of calls here because uh, this is going to give us uh, a, a sense of how people are feeling. Hi, Cheryl in Kingston. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. I want to say that uh, I won't be going into any places, restaurants included, when the vaccine passport is gone. I want to be feeling a little safer, and I, I'm just... Sorry, no, I'm not going to be doing that or going to places where there are large crowds. So my hope is some restaurants continue to require you to be fully vaccinated. Otherwise, I'll be eating on a patio that's happening. 
we're we're losing you. Well, you have till the end of the month to go and eat inside. Um, thanks for your call, Cheryl. Let's go to John in Peterborough. Thank you. Hi, John. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm good. After that, freezing, but good. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, after listening to the last segment, Libby's, when that lady asked what the question was about, what, could she have it, even though she's fully vaccinated, and go in? I'm fully vaccinated, but I'm not going to go in. But I maybe think what would be a good idea is these kits, the test kits, that yep. we all, if we all had them, and we could take a test before we go into a restaurant. Uh, yeah, um, we finally got some tests. Like we've got two. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't use one just to go to a restaurant. <laughs> if I had, then uh, uh, if we had lots of them. But but uh, you know, we still have to be a bit judicious. We don't have that many of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, well, thanks for well, your call. How do call. we know? How, how do, do we kn- know that we don't have it? I mean, we're we're vaccinated, right? Right. So I might have it, not even know, right? Right. So I don't get the point then of going in knowing that I might have it and pass it on to someone else and make them sick. Um, I take your point, John. Thanks for your call. Uh, so there you go. I, I, Rocco, I think you brought up a very good point. It's one thing to ease the restrictions, and it's another thing to make people comfortable. 100% Libby and it, it's not just the it's not just the customers it's the employees as um as has been noted for uh several weeks now um there is a scarcity of labor um and it it has many uh factors from access to daycare to you know what's happened with um foreign temporary workers immigration retirement etc but it's also um, it, you know, and, and some people have said, well, you know, we're competing against free government money. If you can take money from the government and not go to work, why wouldn't you? Um, but some are taking less than uh, what they would by working because they, they still are anxious. Um, and, and that will, that will go way over time. But it, as I said, it's not an on off switch. Um, and so everything we can do to enhance um, uh, confidence is, is important. As the doctor said, you know, the, the debate over if you don't have it at three uh, doses, does it make any sense? I find it interesting that from February 17th to March 1st, there are many aspects of our activity from weddings to funerals to other services where that aren't currently captured under the required for the vaccine passport. But if you opt in in those 11 days, uh, you can eliminate your um, uh, your capacity limits for that time if people have to show the vaccine passport. So it's interesting that, you know, it, it, it's effective to help you with uh, capacity for 10 days, uh, but then no longer. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty complicated. Dr. Vaisman, at the beginning of the pandemic, people were hesitant about going to the hospital, seeing their doctors, uh, and it's still hard to get an in-person appointment with a doctor. What do you think is going to happen on that front? I think definitely we're going to move back to having more in-person activity. Um, of course, there's procedures and surgeries that are all in person, but also appointments. It's just a matter of time. But I think it does introduce a new element to patient care that is more patient-centered because Ontario, there's lots of rural areas that are not uh, serviced well by medical professionals. So there's a lot more opportunity now for virtual care. But I think as things return, we're going to have a balance between in-person and virtual that will, to some degree, be more patient-centered and be more friendly to patients, but always have the opportunity for patients to come in person when necessary. Well, the, the, I, I know that the, the, the Ontario Medical Association kind of said to doctors before the Omicron wave, start seeing patients in person. And uh, I think it's still very difficult. There are still a lot of doctors who will not see patients in person. Yeah, I definitely think that problem it just needs to be uh, specifically addressed on a case-by-case basis when that's occurring. I think everyone should recognize that there's, of course, a value to seeing patients in person 
there's certain things that cannot be done virtually. But uh, when it, it when it can be done virtually, I think that that's going to generally be the preferred option um, because there's many patients who have limitations and be able to get uh, the medical care. Well, yeah, uh, I don't think anybody has an objection to that. If it's more convenient for the patient and the doctor, then why not? Yes, exactly. So, absolutely, I think if patients are encountering certain conditions where they're not able to be seen by patients by physicians on a in an in person basis, I think that needs to be followed up on and that certainly needs to be investigated if they're getting limited care. Okay. Uh, We're out of time on this because we're going to end the show with a very more pleasant topic having to do with romance and Valentine's Day. But first, uh, you know, I'm wondering if, you know, this is all just a matter of time. Rocco, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I would encourage um, everyone to go and have a romantic dinner, uh, celebrate Valentine's Day and help our local businesses by uh, buying local, dining local, sharing local and uh, take your, uh, your vaccine passports and, uh, and feel uh, confident that uh, businesses are doing everything they can to keep uh, you and their employees as safe as possible. Dr. Baseman, what would you like to leave us with? Yes, I, I agree with those sentiments as well. And I think people, as we start to move away and the wave comes down and we have fewer and fewer cases, people are going to have, you know, various levels of comfort going back to restaurants and open places like that. But I think if you're well vaccinated, if you're fully vaccinated and our general population is also fully vaccinated, the risk to yourself is continuing to drop. So it is reassuring in, in, the, in the near future that it's going to be safer and safer to dying. Okay, thank you both. Happy Valentine's Day, Libby. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Hazel McCallion Day. 100%. Uh, 101%. 101%, exactly. Okay, we are going to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about romance. Romance particular when you're older. When we come back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. It's Valentine's Day and typically a tough day for people who are single. Even though we have seen the advent of innovations like Galentine's Day, which celebrates female friendship, more than a quarter of people over 65 live alone and a growing number choose that lifestyle because they're separated or divorced. Many are also widowed. So what's it like to date over 65, over 60, whatever, when you're older? And how has the pandemic disrupted that? And are people looking forward to getting back at it now that restrictions are starting to be lifted? Some of the changes because of the pandemic uh, may be positive. Uh, maybe you have to spend more time getting to know somebody talking. Anyway, the numbers to call 416 360 toll free 1-866-744-740. And I'd like to bring in Ronnie and Ryan, who is a love and dating coach. Ronnie Ann, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So, uh, what's it been like? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's, it's not that easy for older people to begin with. Uh, what's it been like during the pandemic for people who want to meet somebody? Well, my experience has been that if people were serious about wanting to meet someone and they stayed active, I mean, safe, but active, there were people who wanted to date, who wanted to meet, and who want relationships. And that has not really stopped. There are people who were afraid and didn't want to risk meeting people because of COVID. But you can be safe. You can meet online and then meet via a video chat first to, you know, minimize the health risk. But people are still looking and finding love. Hmm. And has it changed, I mean, has it changed the process of getting to know someone? I'm not sure it's changed that much. I think for very cautious people, the, you know, starting with a video chat 
is kind of a new um, angle on things. It's not. I think it's a good thing, but I wouldn't suggest that you keep doing that. I think if you find somebody that you're interested in, you might as well, you know, meet. So, but I think that um, other than that, if anything, I think it's made some people more serious because they don't want to spend their time alone. I think a lot, it was like a wake-up call in some ways to say, hey, what am I waiting for? I, I want to do something about this. Hmm. Interesting. I, I'd like to give the numbers out. I'd like to hear from people um, if they're single. Uh, are they putting off trying to meet someone? Are they happy the way they are? How has the pandemic changed their outlook on things? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. Because, uh, Ronnie Ann, one of the things we know, okay, for some people, the pandemic has brought them even closer if they're living together, but it's also brought a lot of situations to a head where suddenly, uh, you know, you're with your spouse, your partner 24-7, and if things are not right, then it's kind of crystallized a decision to split, I think, in many cases. Well, um, from some of the statistics I saw, the divorce rate did not go up. Now, maybe that's because the courtrooms are all jammed. I don't know. But they really, the divorce rate did not rise. So, yes, I'm sure some people got sick of each other or had fights that flared up. And, you know, a lot of this has to do with frame of mind. So there, I'm sure, are plenty of singles who thought, I don't really want to go out there and date. And now I have a real reason to not go out there and date because I don't want to risk my health. So I have found that some people, have, unfortunately, are kind of stuck in the fear. So I'm not going to say that's not happening. I just know that in the year 2020, out of 20 years in business, that was the year I got the most emails from people who said, I found love, I got married, I found the one, I can't believe it. The biggest year ever, 2020. Hmm, interesting. Let's hear from Susan in Toronto. Hello, Susan. Hi. Um, yeah, I'd just like to say that uh, the gentleman that answers the phone to ask what my journey was like, and I said it's not a journey, it's more of a dead end. That's how I feel about it. Uh, what I feel is- that dating in Toronto, maybe it's Toronto when you're over a certain age, um, uh, I believe that men usually, if they're 70, want somebody 40. And, uh, <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, well, that's the way it goes, and there isn't a lot out there, and and that's my really depressing view of, of dating. I, I'm going to ask Ronnie, you know, um, what she can say to pick things up for you, Susan. Ronnie, what would you say to Susan? Well, there's so much to finding love online, and a lot of times people think it's very obvious you just write something, you put up some pictures, and you go. Now, it, I mean, that is true to a certain degree, but it really helps to learn how to use the tool, which that's what online dating and the apps really are, just a tool, just like Singles Dance were, you know, 25 years ago, to meet people. So it helps to learn the best way to approach in an email. It helps to learn how to sort. I mean, there are a lot of older men who want younger women. And honestly, I've met a lot of older women who want younger men, too. So, you know, you have to be reasonable in terms of, you know, if if you're 70 and you're looking for somebody 40, that's a perfect way to stay single. (laughs) So, um, you know, sometimes that's really what people want. You have to also understand what your real objective is, you know. So, but there are things you can learn and do that are more effective that will help you find love and connect with more prospects and some better prospects. So, like what, like what, Ronnie? Well, photos are essential. They're vital. And a lot of times people don't take care with their photos. There's a lot of other people in them, or they're not smiling, or the lighting was really bad. Um, they didn't think about what they were wearing. So it's all, it, it all really matters. Another thing that can happen is your profile needs to be very positive. Both, 
focus on what you do want versus what you don't. So, like, some women say, no couch potatoes, please, you know. And so what they're doing is that's kind of, even though you're stating your desire, you want an active man, it's better to say that. I want an active man who's willing to go out and do things rather than talk about couch potatoes, which is focusing on what you don't want. Does that make sense? Susan? Um, yes, it all makes sense, only I, you have to be in a position to know what it's like. And um, Oh, I do. You know. Are you in the position? I work with women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Okay, Susan, uh, it's just a few thoughts and um, maybe to to put you in a, a, hopefully, in a better frame of mind about this. But, you know, if you're, there's nothing wrong with being single if you're happy um, with that state. And you know what? If you're happy, you're probably more likely to find a partner. I'm looking at the time. We're almost out of time. I mean, how, how, aside from the, uh, I'd call them tips for having a better profile online, how important is your own frame of mind? Well, I'll tell you, you really hit upon something there because if you believe in yourself, if you believe in love, if you think there's somebody out there, you've just, increased your chances dramatically of finding someone because it does take some perseverance. I mean, I'm not over here saying it's easy, but I sure am saying it's possible, and I know people find love every day. And, you know, one more thing I want to say is that today with Valentine's Day, if you're single and you're bummed, I really encourage you to expand your definition of love so that you can enjoy the love you do have in your life right now, whether it's just the unconditional love of your pet, your children, your friends, other family members, colleagues, neighbors. You know, share your love with the world and you will receive love too. Okay, that is a good note to end things on, Ronnie and Ryan. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. And uh, happy Valentine's Day, happy Galentine's Day, happy Hazel McCallion Day. The sun is shining. What can I say? That is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.